0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Schaaphorst, with me is Vinny Tadaro, and um, a couple little news news, uh, pieces we wanted to talk about this week, Um, not specifically Cowboy related, but uh, a guy that both of us have talked about quite a bit as a potential signing, Richard Sherman, um, with a... uh, not, not great piece of news. Um, him kind of going going crazy at his his wife's or uh, mother-in-law's pl- house. Um, then Randy Gregory had some some interesting comments, and then the the one really big piece of news, which still not that significant, but we did release uh, Rashard Robinson. So. Break down those and then um, wanted to get into some of the, a little bit of the offense of Scheme. We've talked a good bit about our defense, I feel like. Um, So, getting a little bit into Kellen Moore, what we've liked, not liked about what he's done so far, and how we, you know, we think he'll do moving forward. But, um, as always, we'll start off with a trivia question. This week it is Vinny's turn, so, uh, yeah, go, go right ahead, Vinny. All right. So this one's a little bit off the beaten path. Okay. Yeah, you know, we're really testing you tonight. I okay. want to know Jason Garrett's favorite music
1: performer. And I'm always saying this because this came up during Cowboys News.
0: Okay. Um... I know he's from New Jersey, so I want to say, eh, at Bon Jovi? Nope. It's also Tony Romo's favorite music performer. I feel like, the, the oh, oh. Oh, the guy's name escapes me, but he's like, Feel like he's, like kind of a country-ish rock guy, maybe Dave Matthews. No. All right. That, that was my. I, I give up. That's. You don't want any more hints. Uh, sure. If you got one more, yeah. He wanted
1: Tim's favor.
0: Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Okay. I was between him and and Bon Jovi for the first guess. So okay. Yeah all right romo and garrett bruce bing that that tracks not a surprise um they used to uh play his music during practice yeah came up in cowboys news a couple years ago okay like they were
1: slow news day so
0: yeah they decided to talk about that okay so you you missed that But you were getting hot there. Yeah. You said Garrett's from Jersey.
1: You know. yeah. he's partially from Jersey. Um, I interviewed him, if I remember correctly. I think they 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 moved around. Okay. But they would spend they would spend their, their um, summers in at Jersey Shore. They had a house in Mouth Beach. Okay. Um, and nearby, I think the rest of the year depended where his father was working. I know he was in Cleveland for a while. Okay. And where he's scouting.
0: Yeah, that makes. Makes sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, this will be our last, uh, last show before official start of training camp. So that'll, that'll give us something, but, uh, but yeah, a couple pieces of news this week. Um, I feel like the biggest one is the Richard Sherman news, even though it's again, not specifically Cowboys, but, um, but yeah, he kind of went off the deep end and, and it's, it's too bad because he always struck me as a guy that like the media tried to villainize, even though he'd really never done anything like, you know, he, he trash talked a lot. He, you know, he had the, the infamous game with the 49ers where he's calling Michael Crabtree trash and, and whatnot. He he went off on Skip Bayless, before which i kind of appreciated but oh, wait, I, no I, I didn't see that the, oh him and skip Bayless? yeah oh it's it's great he basically he he's like y- you know i'm better than you that that's pretty much the direct quote is is like <laughs> i'm better at what i do than you are at what you do kind of thing it was yeah oh, yeah check it out when you get it. yeah yeah like it was yesterday Um, I I don't know
1: what happened to precipitate this Uh, people I don't know if they ever found out for sure if if they just surmised it but you know they thought that Crabtree had said some things to him during the game that got him riled but you know if you remember the post game interview he was talking about how Crabtree was you know a lame receiver yeah and how he was hands down the best corner in the NFL and Mm -hmm. he was really loud about it too yeah next day it just you know it it just spread like wildfire
0: yeah and that's what that's what really but
1: i you know i think that was maybe more something maybe that was even kind of premeditated to get him because it got him tons of exposure and it got that kind
0: of opened my eyes to him too i i had never as good as he was i never really paid a lot of attention to him and after that i was like oh who's this guy yeah well the one that i remember was in 2012 which was the year before that because that was part of that the C- Seahawks Super Bowl run. That was the championship game, which was much more competitive than the actual Super Bowl. They they destroyed the Broncos. Um, but the year prior to that, he, he had a good game against Brady, and they beat the Patriots in Foxborough, I believe. And I think he picked him off at least once, maybe twice. And I think after that game, you know, not as, you know, not being interviewed like with Crabtree, but he was kind of in Brady's face. there's There's a picture of of him going over and yapping at Brady after that game. So that was probably my first exposure to him. So, yeah, definitely he's had this reputation kind of his whole career as a as a shit talker and and kind of a cocky dude. but He'd never done anything remotely like this off the field, where he's... I, have, did you see the video of it at all, or, or just, did you just hear about it? The,
1: uh, the uh, incident with uh, Crabtree?
0: No, no, no. no. Yeah. Well, the, the recent thing with Sherman at his mother-in-law's... Oh, I've, I've just read a little bit about it, and yeah. I don't even remember what I, much about it. Right, what I, read. I think there was a DUI involved. Yeah. And,
1: Yeah. And he seems to be apologetic.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, at first, I, you know, I thought, well, you know, I don't know if he's actually guilty of this, but he's apologetic, so I don't know. You know, he must have done something.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, I, the video I saw, he's just like belligerently drunk, yelling and banging on the, the door um, of, of, you know, his parents-in-law's house, I think it was. So... Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing at this point his his career is probably done. Coming off an injury, already not a lot of buzz. You know, we we had talked about how. We did. Say that again. We did. We talked a lot about him. Right. Well, and, and we and I was gonna say we talked a lot about him as a, you know, potential. Was it June? I think June one is is when you can when you can sign someone without it counting. Uh, you know for compensatory picks later down the road and kind of once that passed and he still hadn't gotten signed it was it was kind of like okay people just don't don't think he's got any juice left and oh, and maybe I they,
1: maybe they knew more than we did maybe they saw Maybe. Something like this
0: coming. That's possible, yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I could see I doubt they could have, like, predicted this exact thing, but maybe it was, like... And he has spoken up, Richard Sherman, about, like, mental illness and, and you know, how he needs to get help. So maybe, yeah, maybe that was, like, a rumor. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. So maybe that was...
1: Substance abuse, or is there more
0: to it? I, he didn't specify, just saying, in general, ment- mental illness is a, is a not something to... You know, it's a big deal, and I need to get help for it. So, so maybe that was already something that was, you know, teams had heard about. I, I don't know. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it was just a, a case of this guy's old and and didn't have his best year and coming off an injury, and and that's that. But bottom line, I don't, I don't think there's any chance he's coming to the Cowboys. Even before this, there was a small chance, but I think this eliminates that. Anybody's yeah. gonna become available that they're gonna pick up and uh, really bring that corner position up to where it needs it needs to be. I, I don't see how they can pull off the trade for somebody like Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. The, with, yeah the, with what the Patriots want and the amount of money that Gilmore would like in about twenty million dollars so. I, I don't right. see I don't see much help I don't
1: see much hope for this defense.
0: Yeah. Well if uh I've four, but now I've gotten even more cynical. Ooh. Yeah. Well, our uh, our knight in charm, shining armor, the the guy that was supposed to save our season, of course, being Rashard Robinson, is uh, is no more. He was uh, he was released, and, and a lot of it, the the funny thing is a lot of people thought it was Reggie Robinson who got even less playing time than Rashard Robinson. Ra- Rashard yes. Robinson was undrafted, I believe, and uh, Reggie was, of course overdrafted in the third round or maybe fourth round, but either way, higher than he should have been. Um, yeah. so this is this is more like I feel like the, the release of Rashad Robinson more than anything it just it, it showcases how illogical some of the the you know decisions of who gets playing time is. Because, like, if you're going to cut this guy anyways, why are you playing him over the guy that you drafted much higher? Like, uh,
1: they must have thought that he gave him more at the time.
0: I, yeah, I guess so. Um, maybe they try and get him back on the practice squad. I don't know.
1: I have a lot to say about Randy Gregory. And okay. Just uh, jump into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now I've been hearing now from Various American media outlets that Randy Gregory is wonderful player was suppressed by the evil Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan <laughs> and uh, Tom Sula. And how uh, now I see Mike Fisher has taken the, uh, the airwaves to say that uh, he knew that uh, before Jerry told him he had a source, unnamed of course, that told him that Jerry had stood up at a Monday. M- Morning meeting and point blank asked Mike McCarthy why Randy Gregory wasn't playing more. And this was, I guess, after Alden Smith's flash in the pan. Because mm-hmm. after that, Alden Smith was basically trash. And I, I think you could make a case, I think you make a good case that Randy Gregory should have received more playing time. Yeah. But uh, Fisher was saying, well, you know, I told you last year that Jerry was mad, and that you know he stood up and confronted McCarthy and said, "Why isn't Randy Gregory playing more?" And then Skimming came around, and the Cowboys real, realized that Owen Smith was having more off the field troubles, and they still didn't play Gregory more. Basically, what basically what he was saying was that Mike McCarthy and the defensive coaches had the temerity to basically ignore an order from the Almighty Jerry. <laughs> Uh, I, I just find it hard to believe. Right. It's, it, is it possible? It, is it possible that a coach would, in Dallas would uh, stick to his guns? Yes. Uh, do I think it likely? No. I don't think that if Randy, if Jerry Jones told Mike McCarthy to play Randy Gregory instead of Alden Smith, that Mike McCarthy would say no. I think Jimmy Johnson would might say no if he liked Alden Smith, but I don't think Mike McCarthy. Would I don't think many Cowboys coaches since Jimmy Johnson were. Yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that they outright disregarded their coach, especially their, their boss, rather, uh, especially since I think he had a good point. I don't see where they were all that, blind, you know, where, where they would have the, the audacity to do that. So I'm, I can't be sure of what's going on, but I have a feeling that what's happening is that Jerry is trying to cover himself for allowing Alden Smith to play and make and, and, and play as and play as poorly as he did last year, and they're trying to cover, you know, make excuses. Well, we were smarter than the coaches. It was the coaches' fault that you know we let that sh- sh- that scrub play defensive end, and now look, he's in all sorts of trouble again. And, and you know, at the same time, what that does is it, it, it hypes Randy Gregory, which as nice because it gets against Cowboys fans again a uh, manufactured sense of home.
0: So Randy <laughs> yeah.
1: Gregory Randy Gregory, he
0: played pretty well in limited snaps. But that's yeah. all he did, was he played pretty well. He, and they're
1: making it out like, oh, he was, you know, so great when he did get a chance to play. Uh, if he was that great, I didn't wasn't in any game that I saw. And so I would I would I would argue that it's quite possible that this is just a way to draw a pipe for the Cowboys season in and especially on a at a position where the Cowboys neglected to fortify it during the off season, the defensive line. Yeah. So hey, what are we going to do? Well, we can't can't find much good to say about Tristan Hill. Tried that last year, it uh, didn't work. And <laughs> what the hell are we going to say? They didn't pick up any. But Jesus God, who are these people? Who the hell is Carlos Watkins? Okay, did he just wander in off the street? Is he? Ever, As like an actor or something? Just pretend you know, is he gonna be in the next version of longest yard? Who the hell is Earth is Oh, what are we gonna do? Well, Randy Gregory, yeah, let's 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 drum up let's try to drum up support for let's try to make it out like he's
0: gonna really help this defensive line. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Yeah. No that and and the thing about you know, the that Jerry would say that that I don't buy is Jerry Jones loves the, like, the comeback story, and and he was all about, oh, Alden Smith giving him a second chance, you know. Right. That's, I I guess you could kind of say that about Randy Gregory, too, with the, you know, the suspensions, but, no, I mean, I I could definitely, Right, right, right. Basically what um, Fisher and others
1: are saying that he wanted to do. He wanted to say, okay, let's basically admit we screwed up with Old Smith. Put Randy Gregory in there. And I'm sorry, it's it's possible. I wasn't there. I'm not lying the wall. I don't have the access that Mike Fisher does. Because I never sucked anybody's ass in Dallas. Okay? And took it three ways up the ass from them, like Mike Fisher does. But I just find it hard to believe. I, I know if I was the Dallas Cowboys coach, if Jerry asked me to make that move, I would do. I would be fearful, and I would make it. Yeah. Unless it was, I would make anything any move that he asked me to make that I felt was reasonable. If he asked me to do something stupid, like you know play a rookie over Charles Haley in nineteen ninety four. Then I would say no. But if yeah. he asked me to play Randy Gregory. Instead of Alden Smith, and I know that this is gonna. If it this doesn't get doesn't get me fired, this is gonna play a role in getting me fired. Okay, he's not gonna forget this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for their own self interest, and they they both did end up getting fired. So, you know, you maybe that was that was partly why. Who McCarthy, knows? You know, McCarthy's still
1: there, and McCarthy, you know,
0: well, if he, he's defensive guys, yeah. Decisions. True, And yeah. uh, it, it's just,
1: if, if they get to a point where this season that, that McCarthy, or next season, where they haven't gotten things going right, this is going to be one of the things that everybody uses against Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Your boss told you to play Randy Greger, you know, and Jerry's going to be like, I told you to do it, and you disobeyed me. Right. And we all know that Jari does not like being disobeyed. Yeah. Or else a guy named Jimmy Johnson would have spent another, four, maybe three, four, five years in Dallas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And with the, the Randy Gregory, Alden Smith thing, as far as them as, as players, I, you know, Randy Gregory, I think overall was better, but I don't, I don't think it's as huge of a gap as... I think some people do, Um, you know, Alden Smith, even though he didn't have the sack totals after the first couple games, he was still okay, and Randy Gregory was really good in a few games, especially that Philadelphia game, um, the second one, but he wasn't phenomenal. Um, Again, I would say probably better than... Alden Smith overall, um, and he just didn't get a ton of ton of snaps, especially against the run. But um, but you know Dan Quinn supposedly spoke out and was like, "Why didn't this guy get more more snaps?" And and yeah, I I think you're right on with it being just a another way to hype up a really bad, what projects to be a really bad unit with a guy that that did show some flashes and who has you know. Shown promise before, obviously high, or was supposed to be a really high draft pick, and you know he did okay the year he started in 2018. So, um, yeah, that's that's about about the only really positive thing you can you can cling to on that defense besides the you know, I guess Nishawn Wright. That that was one of the the stories, and and we'll see how. I, I'm curious. I think we've talked about this a little bit, but with with hard knocks coming in, you know, they they always like to pick a few players, a few kind of no name players to really follow and spotlight. And I'm curious, like, if there's if that's going to be something that Jerry influences at all. Um, I don't know. I, I would hope not, but you know, it's all. Entertainment and that's his kind of his wheelhouse. Um, but so yeah, I did want to talk about because we have talked a lot about the defense and, and Dan Quinn's projected scheme was, was something we were talking about last week. So I want to talk about Kellen Moore a little bit in the same vein because you know the offense seems to be much better put together than the defense, but. It is a different, you know. I, there's, but beyond injuries, there's no way this offense is going to be bad. Um, but I could see, and and we've kind of seen it, I'd say in 2018, especially where we had, once we made the trade for Amari Cooper, we had a pretty, pretty good squad, but we weren't scoring a lot, and. I think that's kind of the worst case scenario for this season, barring injuries, is that we have a, you know, a a talented unit, obviously, and we're able to move the ball, but not score to the same potential that we're just moving the ball. Um, And that's kind of been an, an issue in general for, kind of the whole t- maybe since Zeke's Zeke and Dak's rookie year I feel like our red zone offense is pretty good then so um yeah I, I guess you know we've seen two years of, of Kellen Moore now as the uh, Wunderkind offensive coach what, what do you what are your thoughts of, of him what do you think he's doing right if anything and, and what do you think he could improve on?
1: Well, he's done enough to be respected throughout the league, and yeah. I don't really care how respected he is through the league. I look at what he's actually done, and I see an offense that has a lot of talent that was hobbled last year by injuries. Um, I, don't, I think it would be a mistake. to. I think you have to be careful not to overplay the importance of those injuries because I think that we had yeah. pretty – most people aren't going to agree with me. I think we had pretty capable people filling in. Um, at that point, and it was our, really our defense that kept us out of the playoffs, rather than Andrew Dalton or my two big leaguer tackles, Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight. And I looked—I looked at those guys as being, at the very least, very valuable backups in the uh, in the future. I—I don't know what the hell they were thinking, taking the fourth-round tackle, who uh, seems to be uh, hell on wheels. So. Um, but as far as Kellen Moore, I I think he does a good job. I I, I don't think he does a great job, but I think he does a good job. We, you know, they did battle back from those awful deficits that they got into with the er, early last year. Yeah. But we have to remember that part of the reason they got into those awful deficits wasn't just the defense. It was also that the you know this offense just has to start games stronger. Yeah. It has to come out. It has to score on the first drive, and that will mean that will definitely mean something for the defense. You can play differently with a lead.
0: Yeah. You can hide yeah. a bad defense better when you you're playing
1: with a lead, and when you're not playing catch-up football. So you know, he's just got to come out and score more points in the first in uh, the first uh, half in general, uh, because they just got off to too many slow starts. And let's face it. But, you know, Dak's record last year in games that he finished, I think, was one in three. Yeah. That's nothing to be proud of. Uh, his record over the past two years is nothing to be really proud of either. And until they can become more consistent, instead of just relying on that whole desperation-type uh, football that they played in the second half of so many games last year, where they're just flinging it around. Then, you know, that that's going to be something that holds this offense back because they don't have the defense to make up for. Yep. They don't have a defense that's going to get going to get turnovers, it's going to hold opponents, and you know, give us the ball and the other opponents' territory and things like that. That uh, they can't rely on much help from this defense.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: More special. Uh, we don't have any great punt returners.
0: Well, yeah. From a return standpoint, we're pretty weak. You know, they're they're not not getting a lot of help, so they're going to have to generate. But I do think that they have the talent to do it.
1: And I think that if Zeke comes back and is improved, uh, and the tackle play should be improved, if those guys can
0: stay healthy. And the interior line, another year for Conor Williams, another year for uh, Biotish. Mm hmm.
1: I'm actually pretty hopeful... I'm pretty hopeful for the offense.
0: Yeah. I think this is going to be a very good offense. Yeah. But I also think it's going to be a very bad defense. Yeah. Yeah, I I would guess this will be at least a good offense, and I think it has the potential to be an elite offense, like top two or three in the league. Um, But... I do think a lot of it comes down to Kellen Moore and, and I think with us paying Dak really Kellen Moore is the biggest I, I think he you could argue he has the most to prove this year of, of any maybe outside of like Michael Gallup who's in a contract year. Um but but no, he's got last year, you know, he's got the built in excuses of both you know, even though we didn't start the game strong, we still put up points. So you could say the defense initially, and then injuries. Um, but yeah, he really doesn't have any any excuses this year. And I think overall his tenure it's marked with it, it's inconsistency. That that's the the biggest theme. Um, I've, I've talked about this a lot. I, I don't know if this is how much of this was was Kellen Moore how much of it was Zeke just not having the the reps after holding out but the first game of his tenure as offensive coordinator still remains by far his best or our best game as far as a play caller goes by far I think um, we were we were aggressive we we're Calling a lot of play action passes. I think even the one thing that I think we we could do a better job of is is using motion in like and not just one guy to one side of the to the other side of the formation, but all but the way some teams use motion. And even I'll go into. I'm I'm not a big college football fan, but watching Alabama in some of their their games and I know Green Bay does this a lot with uh, Devontae Adams but Alabama doing this with Devontae Smith especially in the red zone which we've struggled in is they'll they'll do all kinds of crazy motion where he's he's going one side then he fakes one way then he goes back and in the playoffs against Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the game uh, Devontae Adams caught a touchdown pretty easy c- touchdown by the way, because of that, because of really creative motion. And it, it really puts a stress on the defense. And it it kind of, I mean, it, motion in general, I think, will will kind of give a good tell of what type of coverage they're in. But when you do that kind of creative motion, like Green Bay and, and Alabama with Devontae Smith, that just takes it to another another level, and I think that's kind of, you know, the 49ers do that with, with um, what's his name, uh, Samuel, Curtis Samuel, the Chiefs with with Tyree Kill. I don't know if we have, like, the the true speed guy that can really threaten the defense, but I, I don't think it really matters. I think we could do that with Amari Cooper, just a, a really precise route runner like him or or lamb we just we just don't and i think um you know that's something i'd like to that and and just more first down play action is is what i'd like to see a lot more of this year um but i think that motion especially in the red zone will really help us out um i do think i know you've been talking a lot about you know the need to run the ball more and i i do think with the way defenses are, are heading, we, we've talked about this when we were talking about Dan Quinn's scheme a little bit, but on the flip side, the way teams are moving with the, with the uh, Vic Vangio-style defense with two safeties, it, it is going to give you the opportunity to run the ball. Less guys in the box, and they're you know it's kind of teams daring you to run the ball. So if we can do that, really effectively that that's the that's the key is, is if it's 4.0 yards per carry that's not that's not doing much in today's NFL but if we can get back to Zeke you know his efficiency is rookie year where he's close where he's i think over 5 yards a carry or even close to that i think that's that's when you know that's where you want to be. And that that's going to naturally make the play-action pass more effective if you're really running it with that kind of efficiency. Do we see more to Tony Pollard this year if Zeke puts up another season like he did last year? Um, if he fumbles, I'd, I, I'd like to say so, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that much of a difference. I think he's we're too committed to him because of the contract, and I could see him in a in a dual type of scenario with both of them on the field. Um, but yeah, I can't see him replacing Zeke in any scenario, even cutting into his carries that much. I, I if if Zeke's not not cutting it I really hope we do but I I just don't see it it's uh like that one really seems like a a top down call like Jerry you know whether it's directly or indirectly we paid this guy a lot of money he's one of the faces of our franchise we he's gotta be the the bell cow um and that's, that's one of those things where, you know, I feel like Mike McCarthy or Jason Garrett, they're not going to, and, and this is why I tend to agree with you on the Randy Gregory thing, is these are guys that don't seem like they're going to push back on on that kind of top-down, you know, yeah. top-down direction. And... So yeah, I, I don't see a whole diff whole much change in uh, in Zeke versus Pollard's splits unless well, let's Zeke is even worse than last year May, then maybe I don't know but I think I think we're gonna see a better C D Lamb yeah had, for sure he was developing quite the rapport with uh, Dak Prescott
1: last year yeah and we might see an even better Michael Gallup. Yeah. Uh, he's playing in the contract here. And the, the Blake Jarwin intrigues me, I, I was opposed to giving him that contract. But at the same time, he is an intriguing player. He does have athleticism. He does some, have some explosiveness that uh, Dalton Schultz doesn't have. And Dalton Schultz did a nice mm-hmm. job that year. He played well. Uh, right. That surprised me. I didn't think that he had it in him. Yeah. So I think if they, can, if they can get something out of Blake Jarwin, then I think that going to definitely see improvement in terms of the first quarter scoring and the red zone yeah i think that that would really help us to have a, a tight end who is athletic and uh can make big plays. dalton schultz didn't make many big plays to draw him and you know he had some flash plays yeah um, two years ago so I, I think that's something to keep your eyes on on too is it, did they make the right move in uh signing Jarwin and giving him the starting job yeah. and he really produce on a consistent basis as a starter uh, even if he's not much of a run blocker if he can catch yeah. and be a threat to defenses uh, then it's uh, hard to believe that they won't be able to improve their first quarters and their red zone Right, it's very tough to believe just almost, almost have to be
0: trying not to improve uh, <laughs> yeah. in order for that to to happen. So, right. I have, uh, yeah, I, I do. I have, a, I have a decent amount of hope that this offense is going to be very uh, good this year. Yeah. Yeah, and and I do think that, I think Dak has, you know, I've, I've listened to a couple analysts talk about Dak, and they they think very highly of his like ability to read defenses and his kind of pre-snap recognition, which I think you, you do have to give credit to Kellen Moore when he was, especially when he was a player and probably Romo too. Um, but the bottom line, I think Dak is at a point and, and looks to be, you know, continuing to, to even get better where it almost doesn't matter <laughs> who's calling the plays. It doesn't matter as much, I, I would say, at this point in his career. And I think we've got, especially if Jarwin plays as, as, up to his potential, up, up to the level that he's shown flashes of, um, where we should be explosive even if you don't have the best play caller in the NFL dialing things up. I, I think both... CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup are guys that even if they're not really open, they're still kind of open. You can you can throw the ball up and they'll make a play. And and Amari Cooper is a guy that's such a he's not so much going to, you know, win a jump ball, but well, he has, but that's not his strength. But he's he's such a good route runner that he can I think enhance any kind of route combination or any kind of play call, just by by that ability to create separation with you know yeah. with subtle moves and, and just what he's always done throughout his career. So, um, I, I think. Yeah, I I agree with that, and and I think what you know. Like I said, I think our floor, assuming everyone's healthy, is is a very good offense. I I think, you know, where we were at last year, I I think if you average 2019 and the beginning of 2020 with Dak, that's probably what I consider our floor, which is like probably 28 points per game. And that's still very good, obviously. And, And at one time in the NFL, that would have been probably near the top offense, but now it's probably like seventh or eighth best. And, uh, you know, it's it's just not going to cut it for what I expect to be our, our defensive output. Um, we need to be 30 plus, ideally like 30... Two thirty-three points a game, which that's that's when you're talking about number one in the league. I want to look at. I know the Bills. I think were thirty-one points per game last year, and and they they didn't have a, a spectacular defense. Um, they were giving up like twenty-three points a game, but they went thirteen and three because they averaged thirty-one points a game. I, I'm looking what the Chiefs were at. I feel like they weren't. They were not, like... Yeah, the Chiefs are like, 30 flat. So, yeah, 27-28 is, is still going to be, you know, good, but it, but I don't think that's that's going to be enough, and I don't think that would be us playing to our potential is the bottom line. Um, I don't know if the Chiefs last year were p- playing to their fullest potential during the season. I, I f- did get the sense kind of and I may have commented this on podcast before, there was a point last year with the Chiefs where I I felt like they were kind of doing the LeBron James thing of like middle of the NBA season and his teams kind of lose and, and it seems like he's just kind of getting bored because the playoffs haven't started yet and then he turns it on and the Chiefs, you know, They didn't exactly blow it out of the water in the playoffs outside the championship game, but they, you know, they did make it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I I think um, we definitely have the potential to be a 30-point-per-game team, but I think the play-calling, the you know, what the initial play-call is, and, and the dynamic between Dak and... Kellen Moore like they've got to be on the same page and um, and I think that's that's got to be top tier or, or at least one of the one of the best combinations between quarterback and offensive coordinator for us to really meet our full potential and you know Kellen Moore has shown flashes of of that ability to be a top guy but he needs to do it consistently and and I think we need to we need to find out how independent he is of the the head coach because both Garrett and McCarthy I mean McCarthy a little different because in Green Bay he was kind of the the opposite of Garrett. He was very pass-happy kind of coordinator. His teams were always... But he also had Aaron Rodgers, a little different. Um, but yeah, I think Kellen Moore, there, there's there been definitely talks that his... that whenever he's kind of tightened up and gone a little more run-heavy, that was at the behest of, of the head coach. And... You know how how is he going to is he going to continue to? I mean, maybe that's not even true. Maybe that's just you know another rumor leaked by the media to put all the blame on the on the head coach. Um, I mean that that does the fact that Kellen Moore is the one getting the the coaching offers and not Mike McCarthy that. I would say gives uh, credence to that to that rumor that his his limitations are are partly the head coach's, but you don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I think he, if if that is the case, then he's got to you know he's got to do his own thing and and not be so influenced by the by the guys that ultimately aren't responsible for directly responsible for the offense. He, that's his that's his side of the ball and, and, you know, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be the guy that's keeping that's keeping us on the on the most modern of offenses. We got the the young guy, that was his his kind of shtick and right now, I'd, I'd say we're like eh, middle of the pack in terms of modern day offenses. We still have these the, the dumbass formations where we go super heavy and you know, kind of you know, make it clear we we're gonna run in this formation, and and that that frustrates me. I. I and there's teams that do well in that, like the Titans. I think are are built for that. But I think I think part of it, part of our issue, is what we were talking about earlier with Ezekiel Elliott and under our, our team understanding that we are transitioning to this, you know, pass heavier offense, and kind of embracing that. I think that's what we saw that that first game against the giants in 2019 and and that's what we've kind of what we ended up ended up at in the games with Dak last year but only because we were losing and it's it wasn't like good strategy so much as it was out of necessity and i think there is you know there there's a better way to do it and a way to do it, that's that keeps teams off off balance better. That that's been my kind of reoccurring. Uh, so
1: what is the uh, hard knocks going to? Uh, who do you think they're going to focus in on?
0: I mean, I think they'll they'll talk about Dak and and Zeke. That that's going to be yeah the big name guys. I'm curious, The I'm trying to think of a name of, of one of these guys. I think it was someone, James, like this short cornerback. Charles James, maybe was his name. But he was on the Texans, I think, the year they, they did hard knocks. And, and, you know, he's a fringe player. I think he ended up getting cut, but he signed with another team. And, and you know, they spent a lot of time getting to know him, they'll, you know, they will introduce these players' families and, and get Your into their backstory.
1: To be focused on, it's a sixth-round uh, quarterback that's getting safety. To we'll focus on his height and being a sixth-rounder, and having a hard time making a team and making a transition to the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, I haven't seen him for years, so I, I don't really know what their tendencies are, but what I remember that, that would be what uh you know, that would one of their uh, tendencies. Uh yeah. so it, it's a it's a guy like that he has got some, some intrigue around him and it's you know pretty uh you know, obscure.
0: Well, I, I think the the player's personality will will play a big factor. Um that you know all the more reason I think they'll focus on Dak because he is a a guy that's pretty charismatic. I feel like, but definitely like this guy Charles James that that was his name. Um, he he was you know he's a likable guy. He's, he's kind of funny from what I remember. Um, so I, th- I think that'll that and then if there's any kind of ties to Like, I remember, I think it was last year with the Rams, one of their linebackers was, like, friends with Brett, or his dad was friends with Brett Favre. I think his dad coached Brett Favre. And so there was, they were were showing him talking to Brett Favre. So I think those are the two factors will be the, you know, I could see um, the defensive, the nose tackle, uh, Bahana, I think he's he's kind of a interesting character, kind of a... I know Tim has talked about him a lot, liking his personality, so... And, you know, just a giant dude that's probably going to catch the camera's attention, so...
1: And, and what's, what's the... Uh, can we make any conclusions, any good conclusions about uh, whether it's good to be on Hard Knocks or not, outside of the possible luck factor...
0: I don't. I don't think it really has an impact. Um, I mean, the last last year was the Rams, and, and they did better than I thought they would. Um, but there was another year where the, it was the Rams, and they that was the year Jeff Fisher was fired. I think um, they were they were terrible, and um, yeah, I, I'd say. Really doesn't make a uh, a significant difference because they're they're not showing anything like uh, anything about scheme or, or they're not yeah, giving. You don't,
1: think, you, you don't think it distracts teams or makes guys work harder because they know they're being filmed and broadcast all over the place on Thirty One or whatever it is.
0: Uh, maybe I I could see. I feel like certain personality guys yeah. maybe
1: like I
0: think, like in the case. yeah yeah guys guys that like the spotlight maybe you know are, are going to be even more demonstrative to get more recognition on TV and and I do think with a guy like like with the the fringe players it does have a have a factor I think there's, in in general, with the NFL, there's the obviously super talented, and and obviously they're all talented, but the cream of the cream of the crop with talent and work ethic, like, no matter how much of a shithead they are and how how much people don't like them, they're still going to be on a roster and, and be starters, but the majority of players that are kind of they're all talented. There is a, kind of the human, different, you know, human bias that determines who who gets on a team and who who doesn't. Um, I I think that is a big factor, and, and that's why with a lot of undrafted players, it's you know like with Romo, it was Sean Payton, new Sean Payton went to the college Romo went to, I think. Is that yeah eastern Illinois, Illinois okay. yeah. and it's it's usually some play it's it's a obscure connection and you've seen this guy that no one else has seen yeah. and and for a guy like Charles James he who has gone to a bunch of other teams since hard knocks um, now he's he's in the XFL and he, he's basically been on all these all these uh, you know obscure leagues oh. but Yeah, but but yeah, you no. Know, I, I think there's some players that you know like the spotlight and and will try and try and get get more more attention from the camera crew. But on the whole, I don't think it affects the overall team that much. And and I don't think it you know I don't think it's gonna make anyone. Play better for an extended period of time because I think
1: the fourth round offensive tackle might, be, uh, might become a focus too, since he's, he's got a bad big team and he's got such a bad reputation, he's off the field right now. So I think to me, I'm just thinking, just trying to think of things that would be colorful to me as a viewer.
0: Yeah. No, uh, definitely not. Uh, like Gal, I don't think that,
1: you know, somebody that they're going to follow around. Maybe C.D. Lamb, because he seems that a lot of people think that his potential is, is through the roof. Yeah. Maybe they'll take a close look at him and see how he progresses. And yeah, I, I can see that. And I think that will become uh, more of a, uh, I think more of a factor for us this year, even if he's just working out of the slot. but maybe they should try and places outside of the slot, too. And they you know, they could replay the slot, too. Guys around. So, you know, I I would just, uh, I I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, I I don't know if it's going to have a positive or negative effect. I remember seeing the Ravens on Hard Knocks. uh, And that was a while ago. And that was, I think, coming off their championships.
0: Hmm. Okay. That must have been one of the first ones I would imagine. Yeah,
1: church.
0: Okay. They were an
1: interesting bunch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there... I, I read that there's, like, these requirements now where you can't have... It, it very much limits the, te- the potential teams each year where, like, you can't have made the playoffs, you can't have been on hard knocks in the last, like, eight years, and... I feel like there might be one other, but um yeah, I guess we were on I, I kinda I vaguely remember us being on in like the Dave Campo era, but I guess we were on in like two thousand eight or something like that. Um and that was not a great season. Um but uh but yeah it'll be
1: what what does training camp start?
0: Um I thought it was might be tomorrow, twentieth. It's definitely sometime this week. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, first first practice is Thursday. Thursday this week. So, yeah. So. So we'll have, you know, a press there's press conference Wednesday, so I'm sure there'll be some quotables there, and then we'll have basically three practices between now and our next podcast. So I'm sure there'll be reports from that.
1: When does hard Don's start?
0: Pretty sure the first episode is the... 10th of August um yeah so we're getting getting there this will be the last uh, last podcast with really nothing major to talk about and it should only build up from there so but uh but yeah I think that'll that'll do it for this week um Thanks all for for tuning in, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about the um, beginning of Cowboys training camp in uh, in Oxnard. So uh, until then, we'll uh, we'll sign off for this one.